Surf Show. Reality. 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 Hello everyone. I'm your host, Kevin Thomas. This is the Search of Reality Podcast. Music brought to you by State Music, produced by Lethal FX. You got a story and want to be on the show? Like to like to share your amazing story? Shoot me an email. Dylan at in search of reality podcast.com. That's D Y L A N at in search of reality podcast.com. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Hello, folks, and welcome to the show. Um, up next, we have a very special guest. Uh, he was a freelance writer for the BBC. He has written work that has been on both radio and television. In 1987, he created the Tube Walking, a new map concept, which has made it easier for people in London to get around on foot. He is the author of The Mistress of the Rock. I'd like to welcome Myron Edwards to the show. Hello, how you doing? Dylan. Hey, bud, how you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to speak about my book and um, look forward to it. <clears throat> huh? So you you live in Cyprus, is that correct? You're joining us all the way from Cyprus? Yes, I live in a very hot and sweaty Cyprus at the moment. <laughs> uh, here it's beautiful there though, no? Yeah, yeah it, it is. And um, we're very lucky with the beaches we have. Um, we're very lucky with the weather that we have and the hospitality. It's a good tourist island at the moment. Of course, Mm -hmm. the pandemic has made a big difference to everything, but hopefully when this is all sorted, we'll be back getting the people back into the island. So originally you were from England, correct? Yeah, I'm an Essex boy. Uh Uh-huh. And you... uh... I have a Welsh Welsh connection. My Mm -hmm. uh, parents were both Welsh. They came from a little village called Penrith Hyber. Now, you may not have heard of Penrith Hyber. You would have heard of one of the... Uh, inhabitants of Penrokaiba. His name is Boris Karloff. Okay. Boris Karloff uh-huh. was the son of the undertaker in Penrokaiba before he emigrated to America. So that's the one fame that Penrokaiba has. Um, now, what brought you to Cyprus? Um, well, okay. it's um, My wife is Greek Cypriot, English Greek Cypriot. So uh, her family's background is all Cypriot. Um, their family left Cyprus in the 50s. Uh, she was born in, in England, but has Greek parentage, as I say. Um, my kids were born in England, but they always travelled back and forwards to Cyprus to see uh, various people. Um, and to cut a long story short, they weren't doing as well as they could have been doing in England due to circumstances which they had no real control over. So I decided it would be a good idea if we sold up lock, stock and barrel and moved the family over to Cyprus. My son was then 14. My daughter was seven. Um, My son was a bit reluctant, but my daughter didn't have really much option because she was only seven. She came over here not being able to speak Greek. Now she's fluent in Greek and English, of course. Um, She got her BA in theatrical... um, drama 
my son got his BA in drama. So that there is a bit of a, you know, um, kickback from family, I suppose, with me. Um, so from that point of view, she she's now working over here and he's back in London. They are looking to try and uh, put a wedding together next year. It was going to be this year, but unfortunately the pandemic put place uh, to put a kibosh on that. So that's all been postponed. Um, and likewise, everything else travel wise from our point of view has been postponed as well. So. We're just we're just sitting here and waiting for the next thing to happen. Yeah, just like the rest of the world there. Just like um, the rest of the world, exactly. Mm-hmm. So in uh, 1987, you created a what they call a tube walking map concept. It's in London, correct? Can you explain yeah, a little is. bit about um, that and what that is? Yeah, okay. Um, basically, tube walking is the idea that I came up with with the help of a London taxi driver. Now, London taxi drivers know a thing called the knowledge, okay? Which is all the streets that they have to know when they do their taxi driving test. Um, if you know the streets of London, you would probably know that they take shortcuts. Uh, on a on a, a very rainy night in London, at Tottenham Court Road, I was trying to get back to Liverpool Street Station, which is about, um, say, 10 minutes, 15 minutes by tube. Um, however, I couldn't get a tube and the buses were, were overpacked or packed to, to, to the hill. It was raining and I decided, oh, look, I've only got one option and I left to walk. But I took shortcuts. And when I looked at my watch, I realized I got there in a reasonable time. Not a huge uh, amount of difference between me getting on the tube and going on the tube without all the hassle of traveling on the tube. And uh, as fate would have it, a couple of days later, I met up with a taxi driver in a taxi going back to a station. And I talked to him about it. He said, well, you could do that for all London stations. I said, really? I said, I'll tell you what, why don't you do a selection of routes for me from all mainline stations with a radius of, say, 20 minutes maximum walking time? And instead of just doing oh well that street goes there do it like you do the knowledge so turn left right up one particular street up up another particular street go down left turn right go forward forward another five 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 uh, blocks or whatever Uh, and then from that point of view i met up with a designer friend of mine and what we did was we took the central area of london and just put those stations in the middle of the map so it was like not an a to z or any other map it was just a simple basic concept of being able to work walk from one major tube rate uh, railway station to a tube station and it showed you how to do it left right forward cross the street and it got uh, quite a good uh, following you know we made uh, several books um went into london tourist board it went on tv and various things like that the only problem was i didn't have the finance to be able to to do it in a big way, which is what I wanted to do. We did actually use it for the Jean-Michel Jarre concert in Docklands uh, to keep all the the, um, audience from getting crushed by the various uh, transport mechanisms. uh, And that worked quite well. And I also raised some money for the London Telethon as well, where people were uh, just given the opportunity to walk the streets. Relevant today, as it was when I first thought of that. Now, you think about that was 1887, as you say. That's a long time ago, okay? It's almost, to what, 23 years ago? Mm-hmm. No, it's more than that. It's 33, 30, years. 33 years ago. 33 years ago. But it still has the relevance, okay? 
the reason it has the relevance is because we're now in the middle of a pandemic and people don't know how to, to, to cope with the tube or the buses. So get off, go on the tube. Uh, and if you're going, sorry, get off and just walk, you know, you will get where you want to go. You may not get there as quick as on the tube, but you won't have the problem of being able, um, of being suffocated or indeed coming into contact with anybody because the street is yours, yours. You can do whatever you want. Um, so you claim to have yeah, some type of epiphany or some kind of vision or image um, that was kind of the inspiration of your book, Mistress of the Rock. Uh, can you kind of explain that? I will do my best to explain it. I don't know if I can um, uh, say it. Yeah, I, I'd say it was an epiphany moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, the basis of the story is this. My wife and I went to Petra to Romeo. Uh, there is a restaurant there, and it's a very nice restaurant. It overlooks the site itself. And the conversation went something like this. Why is this called Aphrodite's Rock? She's, I says. She says, it's the place where she came up out of the sea from the foam and she was born here oh really oh well there's no evidence of that even botticelli's picture doesn't show her coming out in cyprus anyway i started to walk around this restaurant and in self-doubt as i was about the whole place thinking this is a complete waste of time something struck me and what struck me was this image that i saw on the wall and it just hit me like a bloody rock. It, it just hit me so fast. I thought, now that's why she's called Aphrodite's Rock. And I understood from that moment the importance of the whole uh, story behind the Mistress of the Rock. It, it wasn't even in my head. But at that point, I understood that this is something I've got to do something about. And what I saw was a poster. It's a very simple poster, but it was taken from the air and it showed a figure in the water. And I couldn't quite get this image out of my head. And hard as I've tried over the last how many years it's been, I've never been able to find this poster. So whether that poster was there, or, and then when I went back to the restaurant on several occasions, I've asked them, where is the poster that you had on the wall? So I don't remember seeing a poster. I don't think we had a poster which even makes it more strange because if that's the case and there was a poster on the wall and I saw it and it really wasn't there, then it's even more spookier because that set me off in the, in the, the idea that what I had to do was to sit down and write this story. So you were there ah. kind of as a tourist, just no, Well, yeah, I suppose so. We, We've been to Cyprus once before. We, we were coming out another time for a, a summer holiday. This was before we moved Lock, Stock and Barrel over. And it wasn't, it was after that, that this thing just kept in my head and I realized I, I had to do something about it. But I couldn't do something about it unless I had background. And I couldn't do that where I was living in the UK. So I needed to come to Cyprus. Now, whether that was a motivational thing for me, Although I, I have to be honest and say, I don't think it was. I was more concerned about the kids than, than my particular little premise. Um, but that gave me the opportunity that when I was here, I could explore what I was looking to try and do, which was, first of all, I needed to get it down in paper, on paper. Um, so what I did was I wrote, because of the experience I had in, in working with the BBC and, and working with um, comedy and, and screen scripts and stuff, 
I wrote a screenplay. I just wrote a, the basis of a screenplay. Showed it to a couple of people and they said, you should turn this into a book. So I took the opportunity, wrote it as a book. And I'd never really written a book per se like that before. Had a couple of stabs at writing books, but never really got into the whole genre of it. And then what I did was I took it to a bookseller and asked him if he would be kind enough to just do one copy for me so that I could give it to my wife as a Christmas present. And they did. They did one copy for me, gave it to my wife as a Christmas present. She read it. She gave it to a couple of other people who said, Myron, this is so good, this story. I'm not boasting or anything here. Um, but this is so good. It's so innovative. You should actually try and get it published. Cyprus doesn't have the greatest publishing situation in the world. Um, but there was one in Nicosia and I wrote to him and sent him a brief pricey of what I'd done. And he said, have you got this as a manuscript? I said, yes. So he said, come and see me on Monday. This was Friday. Um, so I went up to Nicosia, I saw him on Monday. And he says, I'm going to publish this book. It's so good. I need to, I need to publish it. So I said, okay. So what we'll do is we'll split the costs and everything. So he said, yes, I'll print 5,000 copies now. He then went on to say that he's going to print 5,000 copies in Greek as well. So he did that. Um, and I went, I went then to various book shows and started to get the books sold in bookshops and various other things. But I also went on authors, um, authors sort of trips and stuff. And one of those trips, this is where the this kismet bit comes in. I met a guy called Denny Rowland. Now, Denny Rowland is quite famous in Cyprus because he produces books from the air. And one of the books that he produces, Cyprus from the Air, he's got another couple of other books out as well. Really nice guy, Denny. He, he flies with small little gyrocopters and helicopters and stuff. And he took some pictures of, of Aphrodite's rock. And he took some videos of Aphrodite's rock. And I said to him on this book tour, would you have any pictures you can show me? Because I'm looking for this image, Denny. I've never been able to find it. So he said, yeah, I've got loads. So he gave me the pictures and said, look, use whatever you want. There's no problem. So I started looking through these pictures. And, I, and honestly, uh, Dylan, I, I, I couldn't get it out of my head. I've got to find this picture I saw. I've got to see this image. Am I really going crackers? Um, I've got to find this image. And I, I found that one one screenshot, one um, slide, if you like. And I looked at this slide and I kept thinking, there's something odd about this slide, really odd. Why is there so much? I got to look at this in a different way. And I kid you not, what I did was I turned the computer on its side, okay? Then I realized what I'd got. Because when I turned the computer on the side, the image that I saw in the water was that of a figure which looked so much like a woman in the water. And that's what I tried to do when I produced the YouTube video. Now, you've seen the YouTube video, yes. right? Yep. And was that the same image that you kind of seen on the it poster? No, it's not the, no, I, I can't, I, hand on heart, it's not the same image as what I saw in the restaurant. I've never been able to replicate that image that I saw in the restaurant, although, I don't even know if I, if I, if what I saw in the restaurant was actually, was actually physically there, or was it just a, something pointing me in that direction? 
What do you, anyway, why, do you, why do you think that is? I've never, I've never been able to trace it. It was a Cyprus tourist board picture of the, air, of the aerial shots of Aphrodite's rock. And I've never been able to find it, ever. For our I listeners, even wrote to the um, Cyprus they can check it out on YouTube. But um, can you maybe describe this image that you, you're talking about that's from the air? The one that I've got. Um, okay, right. Um, the image that I've got, um, which Denny gave me, was, first of all, there is a flat screen. Um, when I say a flat screen, that means that there, it's, it's a landscape portrait, okay? Uh, a landscape picture. And it has the three rocks, all right? So it has the big rock, the two smaller rocks. When you, when you move closer and you move the angle and go sharp onto the middle rock, you see what looks like a single rock in the water, okay? However, what you need to do is just turn the rock okay with your with your image find with your your photo maker or whatever and as you turn the rock you will see that the rock forms into the shape of a woman and what's more particular about it is that the shape of the woman has a sort of greek theme to it and i mean the head of the and body look as if they have plaited hair at the back of her neck, running down to the back of her, uh, running down to the back of her, uh, uh, running down the back of her neck. So it looks like a plait, in other words. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've seen Angelina Jolie in in um, uh, Tomb Raider. The the hair that she has in that yeah. is very similar to the hair that is in the image. Yeah, and I so kind of see what you're talking about. I, I got the image pulled up right now. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, you, can you see what I what I'm what I'm describing? Do you think that's the inspiration behind the story of of her her birthplace, or do you do you think there's something else there? I think I I would put it this way. I don't know why I saw it. It's been five thousand years or thereabouts since that rocks those rocks were, were um, supposedly the birthplace of Aphrodite. If you look through Greek mythology it would be around that sort of time that the the greeks that the rocks were formed and maybe the rock of aphrodite was formed around that time I, I think you have to consider that what you're seeing is an image that is something that you can't fake you either see it or you don't it, it's there in the water you turn the you turn the vision to the, the angle that you want to be able to see it as as i do in the the YouTube video, and you can see it. You can't fake that. It's a bloody great big rock in the middle of the sea. It's may it must weigh two or three tons. You cannot fake it. Okay. Um, whereas before, if you look at some of these spiritual videos, let's say ghost videos and things, they can be faked. All right. You see a mist and everything, and you think, oh. That, that's 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 a mist, you know, but it's forming the shape of a, a ghost or whatever, or a spirit or something like that. This you can't fake. This is a solid rock. Now, whether it's, it could be formed in the shape of a bird or a, a shape of an animal or something like that, it's not. It's in the shape of a woman. Now, what is spooky about that? It's in the shape of a woman in the place where she was supposedly born. 
this is what is so fascinating about that the whole true. thing and why I am so intrigued by the whole essence of it. Now, what do some of the, is, what do some of the locals say about that? Um, have you talked to some of the locals about the rock? Well, if you, if you go onto my website um, and have a look on the, um, on the, on the place where people can leave messages on the message board, there are some Greek Cypriots on there who've said, and actually on YouTube as well, they said, I've been to that place so many times and I never knew this existed. Um, so yes, people have made reference to it. The one, people, the one thing that I can't get across to people is the importance of this particular discovery, if you like. It, this could actually mean a whole different uh, ethos for the island, okay? And I've tried to, tried to get this across to various people, people in the Cyprus Tourist Board. I've met mayors. I've met all kinds of dignitaries trying to, to get this across. The premise of the story in itself should make a film. So I wrote a screenplay for it, and I've been trying to get the film made of this because that in itself would focus the attention on the whole site. Now, the site is already a, a World Heritage Site. Can you imagine how much in, more important this would be if the image was embraced as being part of the World Heritage Site? This would give it um, completely a different approach and it would give the island another thing for them to base their culture on as well. Right. This would be a, a whole opportunity for people to come and see Aphrodite and the legend in a completely different light. Okay, it, in the book, I, I relate this to the Irish Blarney Stone. Okay, it has the same emphasis as the Blarney Stone. If you go to Ireland and you kiss the Blarney Stone, you lean over and you kiss the Blarney Stone, that sort of scenario could be created as I create it in the book for, the, for this particular rock. And that, this, these images is what kind of inspired you to write the book, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I, no. I mean, I wouldn't have written about Aphrodite because I don't, knew nothing about Greek history or Greek mythology or anything like that. Where, My, do, you think, where do you think that comes from, that inspiration? Where, where, I mean, like, well, what, I, think a lot of it, I think a lot of it comes from her. I, I, I do believe that there is a sort of inner, inner thing within me telling me, Myron, go and do this. Um, and I don't know why. Um, I mean, as I say, the only thing I ever watched was Jason and the Argonauts. Um, so, you know, from that score, my Greek in mythology history was negligible. But now I've written, I read up on a lot of it and I know a lot of the legends. Um, well, can you tell us a little bit about the legend? Well, the legend of Aphrodite. Yes, sir. Okay. The, well, the, 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 two, the two gods or um, de demigods or whatever they're called, One's called Cronus. I cannot remember what the other one's called. Um, they were they were the super superheroes of the Greek ancient world. Um, they they were always roaring. Uh, they were always fighting against each other. Um, Cronus uh, was one of the Titans. I think this is this is where this all stems from. I think they were both Titans actually. To be on to be honest, I can't remember the name of the other one. Um, what happens is that there's a great big fight, okay, and Cronus loses his testicles and his whole private parts. Those private parts are severed and cut off and thrown into the sea, okay? They're thrown into the sea, and from the sea, the goddess of love, Aphrodite, is born. 
she comes she comes ashore to the island of Cyprus, comes on a conch shell, um, which is the same sort of image that you see in Botticelli's picture, but she is born from the foam, which is what Afro means, born from the throne. Um, so from that that whole genre, that brought out a whole cult following um, that that went through for decades, centuries, with until Christianity came to Cyprus, and basically the the whole idea of Aphrodite then, as long as uh, uh, as well as most of the the Greek deities was put to one side. Um, this this country is extremely orthodox. We have. Um, We've had real problems recently about people going to church in the middle of this pandemic. Some people have been arrested. Uh, priests have been arrested for having Holy Communion and God knows what else because we're trying to stem the flow. But this whole thing about Aphrodite, there is still, there is still to a certain extent, a great deal of respect for her uh, in the um, Cypriot um, community. Not just a tourist attraction. That's the thing that you've got to think of. There is more to, because if you go to Petra to Romeo, there are three rocks and a cafe and that's it. So you've got to think to yourself, well, hang on a minute. It's just three rocks and a cafe. And, and yet they make this a world heritage site. How do they do? How do they justify that? There must be something more to it. It's basically that whole legend is, um, is, is born from the fact that this is the place where she comes, comes, she comes from. Actually, if you go there, is there is certainly an, an atmosphere. There is a, a, a real presence that you feel when you're there. Well, and you think it, it, you know, part of that kind of motivated you to write write the book. But do you think, did it have I, any kind of, um, so you moved there. I mean, do you think that had anything to do with it, your your move? Um, no, I don't, no, no. Our move was, was um, not not part of that particular thing um our move was was something we needed to do for the benefit of the kids it wasn't done for me to benefit me as a an, an author or anything like would, that would the book it have been written if, if you hadn't moved no definitely not i wouldn't have been able to do the the things that i did with the book had i not moved here i needed to do background and i couldn't do the background that i needed uh, in England, that would have been very difficult. Um, but that came as a secondary thing. And it wasn't really, remember what, what it was, was a case of, I wrote the screenplay to get it out of my system. Okay. I got it out of my system. It was only then when people said, you should follow this up. So I followed it up and did the book for my wife. And then after I did the book for my wife, other people read it and said, you should get it published. You know, go and get it published. It's a great story. Tell people what you know. So I, I thought, yeah, okay, I'll do that. I'll tell you another thing, which is quite strange. About a week after the book came out, uh, a guy got in touch with me and said, I'd like to make the film. Uh, and I, I just couldn't believe what he was telling me. Um, so we went into a... A discussion about it uh we had to find a financier we found some guy i don't know in cyprus who decided that he would want to get involved as well uh cut a long story short we had we had fantastic responses from people we were going to do a uh, an aphrodite contest where the 
girls were going to be chosen from people who hadn't appeared on screen before. We had Gillian Anderson signed up from X-Files. We had Peter Andre, who was um, a UK famous singer. He, he had Cypriot connections. He was signed up as well. Uh, we had several other people that wanted to get involved with the production. And then guess what happened? The financial crisis in Cyprus collapsed it all and everybody pulled out. So I'm in a position now where I still have a screenplay. Um, I have two other books that would go towards making a trilogy. Um, and I'm looking for somebody to make the film because everybody keeps telling me this book is, should, be, should be made into a film. And so you, that's what I'm doing now. Without giving away the, you know, a lot of the book, can you kind of give us a general theme and what, what the book Mistress of the Rock is all about? Okay, yes, I can. Um, okay, it starts in the Gulf War in 1991, all right? Um, the Gulf War in 1991 lasted four days when the coalition people all got together to oust Saddam from Kuwait. The one particular, if you like, blemish on the whole thing was um, a series of events called Highway 80. Do you know Highway 80? Yeah. Okay. What it was, was the Americans put a... Um, an order and a decree that all the fleeing Iraqis would be uh, taken out sort of thing. And they were all gathered on this uh, particular road called Highway 80. Now my hero in the story is a chap called Richard Cole. He actually goes with his sergeant on a recce mission. They're just to there to observe what happens, nothing, nothing else. But what he witnesses creates a, an incredible chasm in his in his mind um and he can't he can't get the images out of his mind as he watches it evolve in front of him um macabre situations such as mutilations and and uh, innocents being slaughtered and things like that and he actually almost confronts um the image of death in his in his own way but as he as he wants to get away from this and he's running away from the scene that's evolving in front of him, he comes into contact with the Mistress of the Rock. Um, I won't go any further than that, but that's where that particular um, instance sparks in him the need for him to find out more about the Mistress of the Rock. Um, and that he does when he goes back with his wife to Cyprus to visit his old army buddy or is, is the RAF buddy that he, he pals up with in Kuwait um, and they they have a, a session where they fly in the helicopter and when they fly in the helicopter Richard takes some pictures and when he takes the pictures he sees uh, he, he sees the images of what he saw through the viewer in his camera um, as well as taking pictures of the the waters below it's only when he goes back to the hotel with his wife that he starts to look at the pictures that he basically sees what I see, which is the image in the water. And from there, he starts a whole adventure of how he looks to try and bring this image in the water to life, which in fact, which in fact changes his old life as well. It's a fascinating um, story. Uh, what what you wrote a sequel to the this book, correct? Yeah, it's called Scylla, 
the revenge. Uh-huh. Um, I will also tell you um, that if you like images, which we've discussed, have a look at the image on the um, on the website of Scylla on the back. I'll, I'll tell you this, at the same place as Aphrodite is stationed, there is another Greek god. It's Poseidon, okay? Poseidon swore to Zeus that he would always protect Aphrodite. Now, this is where it gets spooky, because when you look at the image of Aphrodite, next to it, you will see the image of Poseidon. That is is definitely strange. I'm going to have to check that out. That is definitely strange. I'll send you the image. You can see for yourself. Absolutely. Please do. Um, That means we not have just one god, but we have two gods. And it's in the same place as where the rock is, okay? So we talk about phenomenon, Dylan, okay? I've I've said to you before, um, all these images that you see, that your your program goes, goes and looks at, there is nothing more concrete than this, okay? I promise you, you will not see anything like this anywhere. What's your take on it? Why do you think they look why the way that they do? I don't know. Why me? I, 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 that's why I want to know. Why me? Why am I the only person who has seen this like in the concept as, as, as I have? Why have I written a book about it? Why have I written a second book about it? And why have I written a third book about it? I absolutely bugger all about Greek history. Nothing. Okay, my name in Greek is Miranas, believe it or not. But... Um, and the, the, the thing about Miranus is he's, he's the, the guy who created the sculpture of the bronze, um, the bronze sculpture of the discus thrower. So he's, his antiquity is, is very, is very uh, long as well. Um, but that's, that's a side, side issue. Why me? I don't know. I can't tell you why. I can't tell you uh, why. I can't tell you why I have the passion. I can't tell you what inspired me, why, uh, why I've gone down this road why I've spent all this time trying to convince people that there is something special about this place. I don't know. I don't know. It's odd. It's it is very odd. odd. Almost like there's a message that needs to be given. And well, I mean, I'm hoping that enough of your people, I'm hoping that enough of your people who listen to this will also start to believe that there is something special. And if yeah. so, then get the message across. Because yeah, the more absolutely. people see it, the more people that read it, the more opportunity there is to make a film about it. And if we can make a film about it, then the whole bloody world will know about it. Um, can you touch on the sequel for us a little bit? Okay, the sequel is called Sailor the Revenge. Um, okay, the, did, do you know the expression between a rock and a hard place? Yeah, I've heard it. Mm-hmm. Okay, the reason that there is called a rock and a hard place is there were two deep... Um, so we say mytholo- mythological monsters, all right? One is called Sila, and the other, I can't remember, is a, her sister, basically. Um, very much like the sirens, the Sila and uh, her sister s- sat on the rocks, basically looking at bringing ships towards them. And as ships approached, these grotesque creatures used to take the sailors out. Unlike the sirens, who did it very sophisticated with their singing, getting the singing uh, uh, to such an extent that they would hypnotize the, the sailors and the, the boats would then crash, crash against the rocks. 
these were definitely more vengeful. Now, in the second book, Aphrodite, without giving too much away, is particularly upset with Mr. Cole, Mr. Richard Cole. And as such, she wants to get revenge. Um, so she conjures the sealer from the depths and the sealer goes about on a killing spree. And the killing spree that she goes about, basically, um, people think it's boat accidents. People think it's, uh, you know, various other, uh, they got into trouble or various things like this. And they run into a uh, run into the propellers of a, of a boat and, and various other things. Anyway, the authorities just mull over it. But Richard is being, shall we say, coaxed by Aphrodite that in order to stop the killings, he has to come back to Cyprus and he has to meet with her. Um, and that's really the essence of the story because she wants revenge and she doesn't care how she goes about getting it. So the trilogy, the third and final book, it has not been published yet, is that correct? No, it's out, well, with the pandemic, it's supposed to be out the, this year. Uh -huh. Probably it won't be out until early next year. And what's the title of that? Odyssey, Julie's Return. And I then, think this, in many mm -hmm. ways, the third book, is probably the best I've ever written um, because it doesn't have the central figure as Richard. It has his wife, and it's very difficult to write a female part when you're a, a male because you get dragged into the, the masculinity side of things. But I think I've managed it, and I've done it from such a point that I've kept the story as realistic as possible, but I've in increased the mythological side of it dramatically. Um, there is all sorts of references in the story to various creatures in mythology. Harpies, for example, Talos. Um, there's also references to Pegasus. There's references to... Um, Hermes to Hades, uh, various other aspects of mythology, which all encompass this particular story. And I'm quite pleased the way that the, that the thing has actually turned out at the end, because it, um, it almost goes full circle, which is, which is really quite, quite encouraging. Almost as if the universe or a, a greater power or something, if you will, kind of has thrust you into this role and to tell these stories and to explain these things. Um, it's strange. It's definitely strange. I, I, I see, I'm, I'm almost tongue tied because I believe what you're saying is absolutely right. But if you said that to somebody, they'd probably lock me up in white coats. Yeah. Yeah. I almost feel strange saying it, you know, but that's, that's the way it, it at least my perception of your story. Your perception um, of what you're saying is quite correct. Um, and, and, okay, I feel sorry for my kids and my family and my wife in particular because they, they have to live with this, and it's not easy. Um, you know, if, you, if I talk about it, they think, oh, Christ, not again, going on and on and on about it. So I don't talk about it. It's only when I, I get an opportunity like this to sort of ramble on a little bit that I'm able to try and give you some 
insight into what my emotions are like and what I'm feeling, you know. Um, what is and, the overall reception of your story when you tell people? They're fascinating, totally fascinating. You show them the image, they say, oh, I can't believe that. They, 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 they either see it or they don't see it, yeah? Um, and if they don't see it, you explain, you try to explain it to them, but it's a bit like saying to somebody, well, if you can't see it, I can't, I can't help you, you know? But generally, most people get a perception of what it is. It's a bit like those, um, you know, the figures that you see in the newspapers when you have all that blurred sort of um, patterns and then people see maybe a horse or a fish or something come out of it. Um, those, sort of, those sort of images. This isn't like that. This is either so clear in your own perception or in your mind that you see it straight away or you don't see it at all. See, you've seen it, haven't you? Interesting. Yes, sir. Yeah. And I see what you're talking about, when, you know, once you described it. I will send you the image of the other one. I'll send you the image of Poseidon. Yeah, please do. Um, please do. I would like to share that um, on my social media and, you know, with friends and family and that kind of thing. Uh, you know, you kind of inspired me to look a little deeper into Greek mythology. and. Oh, Greek mythology is fascinating. It is. Um, Stephen Fry, if you, you heard of Stephen Fry, he's a brilliant actor, brilliant comedian as well. But he's also a, an absolute authority on Greek history, myths and everything else. He's written two books as well, one called Mythos, uh, which is absolutely incredible. And the other one is called Heroes. They are just fantastic books. If you ever want to read anything about mythology, the way that he's couched it in its colloquial language is, is amazing. He's a wordsmith par excellence anyway. He really is. Uh, Stephen Fry, he, he, he's amazing, literally genius, I, I think, to be honest, the way that he's done it. Fantastic. Myron, where can we um, check you out? Where, where can we find you? Where can we get a hold of your books? That sort of thing. Well, I have my own website, which is Myron, sorry, it's www.myronedwardsbooks.com. Simple as that. Uh, I'm on Amazon, of course, and lots of other places. Um, but you'll be able to find all the links, I think, on the myronedwards.com, as myronedwardsbooks.com website. Um, I also am uh, on my publisher's website, which is www.rockhillpublishing.com. Rockhill is R-O-C-K-H-I-L-L. Um, and uh, any, any, anything that you want with regard to trying to find me, have a look on myronedwards.books. Uh, Myron and you'll find me in Google because I'm usually at the top. Mistress of the Rock is usually at the top of, in Google. And then you don't have a date for the third book yet as far as when um, it releases? No, I did. Um, I believe it's being edited now at the moment. Um, hopefully, uh, they may be able to bring it forward, but with all what's going on, I don't think so. Uh, so I'm, I'm hopeful that it will, it will happen soon, um, mainly because I want to read it again, you know, and and read it in a, in a book form as opposed to reading it in a, a script form sort of thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, do, I am pleased with the way that that's turned out. In its own way, if, if I hadn't written the first two, it'd make a great, a great film in its own right because it's got all of the, the qualities of what a, a real superhero film would be. Yeah, I think it would be a, make for a fascinating uh, movie. So hopefully you can make that happen. Well, Myron, thanks for being on the show.
It's my pleasure and thank you, Dylan. Um, um, please stay safe and I hope all your family and everybody else uh, is safe and um, let's get this thing put away as soon as possible. Thank you. Well, that's it for the show, my fellow reality searchers. I now leave you with a quote. Man, a bean in search of meaning. That's from Plato, a Greek philosopher from the 5th century BC. Hope you enjoyed the show.